Hey, this is the Michigan Maniac Podcast, and I am your host, Adam Brewer. Uh, today, we're going to be going over what makes an elite football team, and then some of the teams that I think have a chance at maybe hitting to the ascending level, and then moving up into the existing uh, elite level. Um so before we do that, guys, go to YouTube, check out that stuff there. Also, guys, go to the Michigan Maniac podcast fan page on Mich- on uh, Facebook and then the Michigan Maniac fan page on Instagram. Uh, I also have a Twitter that once I get over the fear of it, I will start using more often. Um, guys, I have a uh, I have a, uh, a promo where guys, wherever you leave a review. Uh, if you go to the Michigan Maniac fan page on Facebook or Apple uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, which we all know the same thing, but still, I'll leave a review there. Hit me up, uh, private message or DM, and let me know your full name, your address, and which platform you put it on, and I will send you a free sticker. It's a free Maniac uh, logo sticker. It's great. I think you guys will love it. So let's get into this. So... Um, before we get into what makes an elite team, let me just go over a little bit about Michigan State. What I think, I, I, I don't foresee. I mean, I, I guess this floor guy makes sense for them because he was a part of the of the Saban way, and then he went into the the what was it the Trestle way. So he's he's very entrenched in hating Michigan in every way he possibly can do it right. I just don't see him having a chance to really change the culture there. I mean, they are, if we're talking about elite teams today, the, they are an absolute dumpster fire of a program, right? That's an, that's, I don't know if they can ever get out of that. I mean, they were a decent program for the majority of their career or their existence. And then D'Antonio got them to be a great program for a short period of time, but now they are in shambles. And I don't know this guy who got the 34th, I want to say 34th ranked recruiting class for Colorado. And then Michigan state has the 38th recruiting class. I don't know if you can't recruit well in the pack 12, when the pack 12 is down, and you're being out recruited, by, you know, like there's only really two good teams in the Pac-12 right. Well, three, I guess, if you want to make the argument that Washington's going to be good because you have Oregon, Utah, and Washington. Outside of that, I don't know how are you losing recruiting battles to other people. And a five and seven record at a better campus than Michigan State. I don't know how he's going to come in and then have to out recruit Penn State. Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. He can't do it. So, I mean, I guess he took it for the money. I, you know, hey, I would do it for $5 million too. So all those people who give Harbaugh such a hard time, yes, $7 million is a lot and it's deserved. He needs to live up to that amount. But please, Michigan State, that's a minimum wage job at best. You know what I mean? Like $5 million overpaid for a dude who really doesn't have the resume. And I know people are going to say, but look, Jawan Howard did it. Uh, basketball is much different than football. It is easier to turn around a basketball team in one to two years than it is a football team. Because all you need is two, 
one, even one dynamic freshman in basketball can change a whole team around, can get you into a tournament when you've never been there before. You can't do that with football. Unless it's a, an amazing quarterback, but even then, you need a t- you need an offensive line, you need a running back, you need wide receivers, you need a great offensive scheme, you need all that so he can be successful. And even if he you don't have any of those, a, a, a dynamic like quarterback can only take you so far, right? Um, so. Um, yeah, this is all stuff I know you've already heard. I mean, this is I just I really struggled with trying to uh, even do anything or mention anything about Michigan State about this coaching hire. It's just a little crazy. I didn't really like any of it, so that's why I'm probably doing a mediocre job at best at explaining it. But uh, let's get into what I think is elite because a lot of times we talk as Michigan fans. Mich- what's Michigan got to do to become elite? What's Harbaugh got to do to become an elite coach? Get us to that next level. Because like I've always said, and I defend it, Harbaugh got us from a good program, or even a bad program, on the way to being very bad after the Rich Rod and Brady Hoke debacles. Um he goes right back to a great program immediately. And what I say, like when I talk about a great program, you need to have a few of the characteristics of what I believe are elite. And those are like you have to have had playoff title. You have to play in the playoffs or have a conference title or a national title. Your coach has to be kind of an elite level guy. Um, your conference has to be weak. If you want to establish yourself as an elite team, because you want, because if your conference is bad, then you then the next one is NFL development and recruiting classes. You get all the talent if your conference is bad, right? Or your conference needs to be uh, pumped up, have a lot of talent-rich areas for your conference to pull from, and you still need to be the leader of all that. Like the SEC type thing. And then, now you have to either have a quarterback or a running back. Way back in the day, it was running backs. And then now, uh, like a game uh, like a game managing quarterback, now it's just you have to have a dynamic quarterback. Um, so, with all that being said, Michigan at least has two out of the five. I mean, they've got Harbaugh. He's got the cachet. He's an elite level coach. I know he hasn't won the games that we need him to win, which is Ohio State. But once you find out, Ohio State is one of the uh, three elite teams that I do believe exist in this college. And that's it. I think there's only three. You can go through a lot and you'll not like Bama, Ohio State, and Clemson are the three elite teams in in college football. Now you have ascending teams who are very good but need to do it on a more consistent basis to get that extra oomph. And those ascending teams are Oklahoma, LSU, Georgia. Like LSU's close to ascending to the uh, to the uh, um, elite level, just because. Just because, listen, they've been up there. They've competed with. They've competed for SEC championships. I mean, in in Saban's time, I mean, he's had. Six Alabama's from 2006 to 2019. Alabama's had six, count them, six SEC championships. Then the rest have been filled in by five other, four other teams: LSU, Florida, Auburn, and Georgia. LSU has two of those. 
So they're close. They've now won a national title. They had a quarterback. They've got the coach. They have all the things, and they put teams, they put players into the NFL. Right now, LSU has 51 current players in the NFL that are on a roster, right? That's phenomenal. That uh, off-the-chart type stuff. Alabama, obviously is elite because when they became elite it was in a good time that they the sec was still had one good team which was florida and lsu was kind of around georgia was all right but nobody had really taken the mantle away from florida florida was starting to come back to the pack as saban got there saban overtook florida urban meyer left and then saban kind of uh solidified himself as the powerhouse in that conference and when you're in the south which is a talent-rich area. Your conference was kind of weak, but still had great reputation because they had won national title after national title, like LSU did it, Florida did it, uh, or Florida did it twice, I think. You know, you had cachet, but your big dog was getting down and Alabama overtook it. That's how they cemented themselves as the lead dog. When they took over the SEC from 2009 to 2019, check this out. I got this on Rivals, so if you want to go back and see if I was right or wrong, but the recruiting classes, Saban's had seven number one recruiting classes and 11 in the top five. Yeah, that's phenomenal in 10 years. (laughs) In a decade. From 2009 to 2019, that's uh, that right there. Elite keeps you elite, right? And that's it's a you know what I mean. Like I didn't even know I was going to say there for a second, but let's go to Ohio State. Same thing, right? Here's the other formula for that. Ohio State strong school presence. Uh, in a weak, weak conference, the Big Ten at that point had maybe three schools that were good when when uh, Trestle took over because Michigan was on the downfall, uh, Michigan State was on the upswing, and so was Wisconsin. So from 2000, let's see, 2005 to 2019, so I'm including Sweater Vest and Urban Meyer together, right? They had... So, well, Sweater Vest had three top ten, top ten uh, recruiting classes. Two were in the top five out of those three, and then Meyer had out of seven recruiting classes, six of them were in the top five. That's right, six out of seven were in the top five. He had one that they both had one national title in a weak conference. They have eight, I believe. Yeah, eight Big Ten titles from 2005 to 2019. Three other teams share a, either share a title with them or won it outright. Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Penn State from 2005 to 2019. That's how you submit yourself, cement yourself as an elite program. They had it all. Good coach, sweater vest. I hate, I can't stand him. I might hate sweater vest more than I hate Meyer. Because at least with Meyer earned the kind of arrogance that he had, right? It was earned. But sweater vest, I as dirty as all hell, I just I can't stand him. So sweater vest, great coach. Urban Meyer, maybe one of the best college football coaches uh, in modern day history. I mean, it's pretty three national titles. That's pretty amazing, you know. 
it fit his and plus weak conference, great coaching, great recruiting, won titles. And then you stay on top of that conference. They're still dominating this the Big Ten conference as it is. That's why it's hard for teams like in the great category of great programs like I have in the Big Ten for Michigan and Penn State. We're great programs. We have two. Michigan has two out of the five things that we needed. A great coach, great NFL football development and recruiting classes. Because um, we have 37 players in the NFL right now. And we've had, on an average, I think some like eight top ten recruiting classes from 2009, I believe it was. I think that's, or two, no, 2005 to 2018. I think, yeah. I'm trying to find the note now. But it's it's like, yeah, there we go. 2005 to 2018, there's uh, eight top ten. So we're doing all right there. Um uh, we don't have a quarterback, which we need. That's what I mean. We like when people compare us to the LSU's of the world. Like the we are the Big Ten version of LSU. It's true. LSU had a hard time beating Alabama. I believe in they're in the same conference. Are they in the same division as Alabama? Uh, they've never had a great quarterback to get them over the hump until this year. So I think we're really just one quarterback away because we have. The, like I said, the recruiting's there, NFL development's there, we have a good coach, and the thing that really goes against us, though, is our conference is tough. Our division's the, probably the tough, one of the toughest divisions in college football, and we don't have any titles or playoff appearances, and I'll be honest, that's because one of our, our, only, our main rival is also one of the elite teams in college football, one of the only three in college football, in my opinion. So that's what makes it tough. When you have Penn State, another great program, and you have to play Ohio State, one of the elite programs, it's hard to get titles and playoff appearances. We would have had at least two, I would say, or three, if we were in a different division, because we still would have had a chance at this stuff. Whatever. Okay, so Michigan, that's what we're missing. A great quarterback, I think, would give us three out of the five, and I think the quarterback would lift us because we have all the other pieces, I believe now, to make us, to get us into the ascending, which means we'll probably make a playoff appearance. You make one or maybe even two playoff appearances, we're now into that ascending mode with the Oklahomas of the world, LSUs, and Georgias. Like, Oklahoma isn't ascending. They're not elite yet, but they're close. I mean, they have a crap conference. They have a great coach. They always have a great quarterback. They have had titles, the Big Big 12 titles, and they also have playoff appearances. But the one thing that stops them from becoming elite the elites all have national titles. They all have national titles, right? So that's what Oklahoma is waiting for. That's the last box to be checked before they're an elite program. But they're as, as they're like eh, they're close. I mean, they're inches from it. But the Big Twelve is not getting any better. Baylor's going to fall because of the, they lost their head coach. Oklahoma State's always okay. Um, Texas maybe is getting better. We you think Tom Tom Herman is going to get that thing turned around? I mean, they looked pretty good this year in spurts, but they still had four or five losses I think this year. So who knows where that's really going? So, but right now Oklahoma is the only real threat out of the Big Twelve, and they're not even really a threat. 
so that they need that one national title to become elite. I mean, that's why this is the rarefied air. Elite is not easy to get to. That's why Clemson had to wait until Florida State fell off the map before they could become elite. Because, I mean, here's their case, why they're elite in my opinion. And the ACC, once, and now I'm talking about just Dabo Sweeney when he took over. Dabo Sweeney's had six top ten classes, two national titles, right? From 2008 to 2019, Clemson has, like I said, had six ACC titles. Only three other teams have had titles in that, in that time from 2000, what, the, an 11-year span. That's Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Florida State. And Florida State held that pretty solidly for about three years as Dabo was getting his head knocked in a little bit. And then once Florida State fell off, that's when Clemson took over, right? That's something that, well, that's when Clemson really cemented themselves as went from a great team, a great program, to an ascending team, right to an elite team. And they did it fast because as soon as Florida State fell off the map, they jumped in one ACC title, hopped into the playoff, beat, you know, won a few games in the playoff, and then won a national title, and then kept doing it because they they have an awful conference. So they get all the players. Any town-rich area that they go into, they can now pull from anything. And if you're Florida State, you don't have the cachet anymore. If you're going up against Clemson, you're probably going to lose that kid. Because they can't argue anything. Do you beat Clemson every year? No. Clemson whips our ass every year. And that's why they dominate. They have a poor conference, great coach, great quarterback. You know? And the and when I talk about great coaching, they have the balls to do what is not what is not easy to do. And this is where I'm going to go back. I know I'm over all over the place, but this is where I'm going to go back and criticize Harbaugh to, for, to a certain extent. I do love Harbaugh, and I think we do have the right coach. But, case in point here, he needs to start doing what's best for the team and not best for the player. Because Saban pulled Jalen Hurts, who had won, either had won a national title or taken them to a national title a year before, pulled him in the second, at halftime, and put Tua in so they could win a national title. Tua got hurt. He pulls him and puts Jalen Hurts in at halftime in the in a play, uh, what, ACC, no, SEC championship game, I believe, or a playoff. I can't remember when that happened, but did it. Wasn't what was best for the player, but it was best for the team, right? Uh, Dabo Sweeney, uh, Kelly Bryant. Starting quarterback, didn't like the gameplay, sat him, put in true freshman, Trevor Lawrence. Now, obviously, we all think that's an amazing move now, but at that point in time, that took balls. No one knew how great Trevor Lawrence was going to be, but he did what was best for the team, not for the player. Plain and simple. Urban Meyer does it all the time. What's best for the team, not best for the player. I mean, these are guys who... Fucking have balls and make big boy decisions. And this is why they're truly elite. Right? Harbaugh doesn't do that yet. For whatever reason, has changed. And that, in, in my opinion, has changed. Shea Patterson, as we all know it, and I have not been a big fan of Shea Patterson, even though I've given him credit throughout the season when it was due. When it was owed to him, he got the credit he 
deserved. But he was not what was best for the team. And I guarantee you, because people are like, well, how do we know if if uh, D-Mac and... Uh, if Mac and uh, Milton were so good, they would have overtaken. Uh, they would have overtaken uh, Patterson. I don't think so. I think Harbaugh had a soft spot for this fucking kid and really went back on who he was and protected him and did all this shit just to protect the player instead of what was best for the team. And we're going to see this next season. I guarantee you, we're going to see whoever wins that quarterback battle, you're going to see that they were better than Shea Patterson. And we're going to fall back to that. What could have been in 2019 if Harbaugh just had balls? That's truly what's keeping us from that. Is he's a great coach. And I put him down, marked him down as one of the main things. That's why we have that, right? Uh, but uh, in all honesty, that is one thing he needs to improve on. And you'll get to the elite status. I really do. But we need also another, another, we need more luck and more wins, to be quite honest, against Ohio State. Until our boys believe that they can be elite, then we can't be elite. And that's why we need a great quarterback. We need a, uh, this all falls on coaching too. I just, I want, I don't know. The more I talk about it, the more it makes me wonder, I guess, are we with Harbaugh, $7 million a year? And the culture he's putting out there. I mean, I heard Devin Bush. I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but it just makes me—it just makes you wonder, right? Like Devin Bush goes on "Speak for Yourself" during Super Bowl week, and they and Jason Woodlock asks him because Jason actually likes the Wolverines and asks him, "When are we going to get it done against Ohio State?" And Devin Bush said, and I, I'm paraphrasing obviously because i don't know this is the way he said it or whatever but he's when he's talking about why they have that mindset he's like well we'd go into games hoping that ohio state didn't have their game today hoping ohio state didn't show up when you're a team as good as we have with the talent of kids we have and you're going into a game hoping that ohio state doesn't show up that's mindset. Mindset's created by and set by the coach. Coach picks team leaders. Those team leaders then help set the culture. I mean, you've seen it in the pros with the Patriots. Belichick set the culture, picked the team, picked the team leaders, and Tom Brady helped cement that culture. It falls on the coaching to do this. So I just, but here's the thing: we're very close to, to being ascending. We get one win against Ohio State, we'll get a Big Ten title. We'll get into the playoff. That gives us more, and then that changes the whole approach. So, no, I we're a great program, but we're nowhere near ascending. And until Harbaugh gets his mind out and changes some things, we never will because coach sets the old saying that I. I've said here many of times, so goes the king, so goes the kingdom. And if the king isn't well and the king isn't thinking right and the king isn't setting the culture, then the kingdom's going to fall apart. And that's what we're looking at. But these are great elite teams, and you see why. Because the coaches, as much as I may not like Saban or Meyer, and I like Sweeney. I think he's, he complains a lot for a guy who has an awful conference and dominates it every year and is a lock to the playoffs every single fucking year. But, I mean, other than that, he's a he seems like an, an amazing man. Um, they make the hard decisions. 
That's what you need to be elite. Great coaching who aren't who isn't scared to make the right decision at the right time, recruiting and development of that talent while they're there, putting them into the NFL, and then you have to have the key players and all the other stuff falls, like the titles and the and the playoffs, all that shit falls into line, right? I yeah, you know, I had this whole idea of how this how this episode was gonna go. And then it was true. The more I talk this shit out, I I'm I think we have a good, a really good coach in Harbaugh. I do. I like him a lot. He's he took us from a, a dumpster fire of a team. We were Michigan State, how they are now. We were awful and not looking to be good. I mean, I remember when Harbaugh was hired. They said it would take him at least three years just before we would even be considered good. But he took us from dumpster fire to great within a year. A year. He got us back to where we've always been, a 9-10 to 10 win team. Now he needs to get us above that. And then maybe if he can't, though, if he can't create a good culture or if he's too scared, if he's got a baby, Shea Patterson. Oh, my God. I'm so happy Shea Patterson's never – we never have to see him again in a Michigan uniform. He just – he babies him. For what reason? Why is he babying this kid? It only hurt the team. And that's what this is all about, is the team. Look at the true elite programs. They are all about the team. Saban comes in every season, the beginning, before fall, what, fall practice, spring practice, whatever it is, and looks at all the team members in the face and says, whatever we did last year, get it out of your head, because you aren't those guys. And if you are on that team from last year, this isn't that team. We're a new team this year. We have new goals. That's our new goal. We are not being held, you know, like he, he sets, he cleans the slate. He tells them, he gives them expectations, and then he fucking holds them to it. He doesn't baby them and say, well, you know, he did all right. He did great. You know, he's doing blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do what Harbaugh does. He doesn't make excuses. God, I really, I really ran off the road on this one, guys. I'll be honest. I, I had this whole thing where Oregon, I think, is the next team to probably get to the ascending level because they have the they have the worst conference. The Pac-12 is garbage. They're the one only true, really good team. They have an up-and-coming, really good coach. The recruiting's been amazing, and they've already had one playoff appearance. And who's really going to affect them? Who's going to stop them? Washington? Utah? Maybe. Maybe. But when you're, but when you have Phil McKnight, Phil, Phil Knight, yeah, Phil Mc, whatever his name, Phil Knight, the guy, the, the Nike guy, as your main uh, alum, are you going to go to Utah Mormon Central or are you going to go to fucking Oregon? You know what I mean? Oregon's the next one to do it because it's prime, prime real estate for that. Or if Urban Meyer decides to go back to college and goes to USC. I still think he's going to go to Notre Dame, but if he goes to USC, boom, they'll be in, they'll be ascending soon. They'll get out of the dumpster fire category because they had the 65th recruiting class this year. I got that off of Rivals if you want to check, but 65th recruiting class, USC. They get Urban Meyer. They'll get to good in one year. Next year they'll be great. The year after that they'll probably be ascending. I hate to say it, but he is, Urban Meyer may be one of the best co- college football coaches in modern day history. Three national titles, two different teams. Uh, he knows how to create an elite program. Because when Florida had Urban Meyer, they were elite. 
They were. They were one of the elite teams at that time. Um, but yeah, I had that whole thing. I wanted to say all that. I'm glad I got some of that out. But yeah, no, as plain as it is, this is what we're with. If we're Michigan fans, right? We need Harbaugh to step up and be the coach he was once. And he needs to get back to it. I don't know why he's babying these fucking kids or the quarterback. I don't get it. I don't know why he's doing it. It makes no sense to me. He never did it before. So what is he doing now? It's just so frustrating because we have everything in place. We had the second most invites to the combine this year. Second most. We were tied with Ohio State. So the talent level's not that far off. We're there. We're close. Now granted, Ohio State's invitees are probably a little bit more talented than Shea Patterson, which is one of the elite or one of the uh, invitees to the combine. I don't fucking know why. I mean, he's got XFL written all over him. Um, but still, 11 invitees to the fucking combine, man. We have everything going. We have the offensive uh, capability now. We might, if we get a quarterback, we have a team that can beat Ohio State. It's the mindset that keeps us back. When Devin Bush says, we hope they didn't come today, we hope they didn't have their game today, that tells you it's mindset. It's not talent level. And that's coaching. So fuck, I guess this was just going to be me bitching about Harbaugh, I guess, because I love, I do love him. He's like a family member because I love him to death and I will fight anybody who says anything bad about him. But there are some obvious fucking things he does wrong and he drives me goddamn insane because he's, uh, and then I'm sure he's weird or whatever. I don't care about that. Often great people are weird. It's just the way it goes. I mean, he makes great coaching hires. Look at Sean Nua. Look at Don Brown. I know as much as we bag on Don Brown, but still, Don Brown is one of the best defensive coaches in this country. Sean Nua is going to be, or is one of the, a very up-and-coming recruiter, great defensive coach, great guy from everything I've ever heard. I know his brother, uh, I work with his brother, and everything I've ever heard, they're very family-oriented, a good dude, and hurt his feelings to leave ASU. I mean, he really, he, he seems like a great guy, enthusiastic, somebody you really want to play for. And then these new, these new defensive hires sound great, that Mary guy who's going to get us into Texas in California and all that. Good recruiter there. He made Campanile was a great hire. Uh, Chris Partridge seems to be doing, was on his way to doing great things. He does good stuff. It's just he can't baby these motherfuckers anymore. And I don't know why he babied Shea Patterson. I don't know why. But it was apparent. It was apparent. Great coaches don't make excuses for their players. They slam their players, but they build them up as well. And that's what he didn't do. He never got on Shea. Publicly, and if he never did it publicly, you know he ain't doing it behind the scenes. So that's it, guys. I want to get out of here before I start rambling about anything else. But true, if we if we're going to make that move to ascending, right from great program to ascending program, Harbaugh has got to get tough nose, become the old Harbaugh he once was. Because you can't be a pussy and get to the Super Bowl. You just can't. That's impossible. You can't be a fucking pussy and get to the Super Bowl. He made big decisions in the in the in that year with the 49ers. He sat Alex Smith or kept him sat after he came back. Kept him sat. What great English! Uh, but benched him 
after he came back from injury because Kaepernick was playing so well. That takes balls to do. He has balls. He can make big decisions. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know where he went. I wish he, I want him back. I love Petty Jim. I love Big Brass Balls Jim. I love him. But where is he? Why did he not do this again with with Patterson? Is it only because McCaffrey got hurt and he didn't have faith in Milton? Is that it? Is that really the truth? Or is there something more to that? Because if, if you have a 75% Shea Patterson, I have to believe that Joe Milton is a much, a healthy Joe Milton's better than a 75% Shea Patterson when a healthy Shea Patterson is only thrown for 56%. <sighs> I just, I don't get it sometimes. I just don't. But, guys, that's it. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, fuck. Oh, well. I mean, I, I guess a better podcast host will give you a better reason for these elite you should see the the fucking notes i took i took three four pages of notes on what made teams elite uh recruiting classes how many playoff appearances they had all this shit i had i had an idea for a great episode but when i start to see where we are failing this is a michigan podcast so i gotta do i think what's best for that and this is i guess it was just another bitch another bitch session but that's how it goes. Well, I hope you enjoy this. <laughs> like I do. Oh, well. It was great. Uh, guys, take care. Like I always say, it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. Uh, they're family. You know, you love them, you hate them, but you always want the best for them. I love this team. I love this team more than most family members, like I always say. Uh, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. And always and forever, guys, go blue. <laughs>